Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, musicians, platform workers. We appreciate your ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, we thank you, church, for your generosity tonight. Let's open our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 10. John, chapter 10. We'll be reading verses 22 through 30. You guys are ready for the word of God. Amen. I'm excited tonight. I know God is going to speak to us. Midweek service has a special place in my heart, uh, knowing that this is a pit stop in a sense. You know, I remember being a brand new convert, loving Wednesday night service. No, I didn't have to wait till Sunday um, to gather again. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30 is where we're going to be at. Um, Tony Evans has a wonderful illustration that I want to use in it. He goes on to say, people want salvation, but don't want to put in the time. They don't want to put in the time to be strong disciples of Jesus Christ. What many Christians want to do is to audit the Christian life. An audit is where a person goes to class to get information, but is not required to do any of the work. They don't have to take a test. They don't have to do any homework. They're only attending for informational purposes. They want the data without the responsibility. That's an audit. And that's what some folks do every service. They want to audit Jesus. They want the blessing. They want the supernatural power. They even want, and what we're going to speak about here tonight, they want information. They want revelation. They want heavenly insights but they don't want to follow Jesus. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30, Jesus encounters a group of people who have information about him, but they want more. In Jesus' response to the people who surrounding him, asking him for information, his response is, you don't believe because you're not among those who are following me. John chapter 10, verse 22, at the time the feast, at the time the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon, some of your translation might say Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch. Verse 24, so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered him, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Verse 30, I and the Father are one. What an incredible statement. I and the Father are one. For those, maybe you encounter somebody um, debating the Trinity. Verse 30, I and the Father, Jesus said, are one. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled Temple Dwellers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment you've given us. God, I pray that by the Holy Ghost, you will help me to minister tonight. God, inspire men and women in this place, God, to take their relationship with God beyond the temple, God, beyond these walls. God, I pray, spark a new fire in us, God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. The people of God said tonight, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is temple dwellers. 
The setting of our text is Jesus walking through the temple at Solomon's porch during the Feast of Dedication. This Solomon's porch or the colonnade of Solomon that we read, some translation is Solomon's portico, if you can put the picture up. Um, it's typically so, I, so you guys can see this is exactly what it is, where it says Solomon's portico is that area where he's walking through. He's walking through the pillars. If you can go on to the next picture, most uh, illustrators say this is, tip, this is what it probably looked like. He's walking through there, and it's at the time of festivity, a time of celebration. This covered area became a significant, a significant gathering place. Solomon's portico is where intellectual discourse happened. It was where debate happened. It was where information and exchange of information happened. This is why you had people. It was where the Pharisees hung out. It was where the scribes hung out. It was where the people who were studying under, and they would go back and forth on the law and the issues of God's law. But during that time, it was even more packed because it was the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication was a feast to celebrate the rededication of the temple of Jerusalem. Till this day, this tradition is followed by many Jews. We know it now as Hanukkah. Have you guys heard that word before? Hanukkah. This is the same tradition, the Feast of Dedication. And here you have, if you can just imagine this, Jesus is walking through. Here it is in his ministry. And if you know the ministry of Jesus, it was very active. It wasn't so much of just words, but... Yes, he will preach sermons, but he will also touch people. He will also get involved with people. And here it is, these group of men gather around Jesus, and they ask him, what, who are you, and can you tell us plainly? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. You can, you can take the picture off if you want now. And I think this says something about our life. Here it is, these group of men, all they care about is, I want information. I want to know who you are. When our Christianity is only showed in the temple, all of life becomes shallow and very superficial. In a time of remembrance and celebration of what God has done for his people, Jesus was interrogated by Jews who have only heard about him, but he did not follow. But they did not follow this is a dynamic that we must get used to as followers of Christ. We will be interrogated by those who don't have skin in the game. They aren't following, yet they're critics. They're not actually disciples, yet they have opinions. Jesus is asked, tell us plainly who you are. And his response is incredible. His response is, I've told you. My actions speak to who I am. He says they bear witness. See, Jesus' response was beyond what they expected. They were looking, being a Solomon's portico, looking for some type of discourse. And this is what happens a lot of times in Christianity. There's men that will come. They want to get disciple. They want, they want ministry, but they think it's just an exchange of information. They think that somewhere it's just, here's a book, read this, now you're a disciple. Memorize these 10 scriptures, and now you can do something. But that's just not the way you see it in the Bible. 
These men are asking questions, but Jesus talked to them about eternal life and not being snatched from the Father's hand. He's talking about the characteristics of God. He's talking about salvation and eternity. He stated, I and the Father are one, which is one of the greatest theological statements there can be. And somewhere in their mind, they're thinking an earthly deliverer. They're thinking that somebody's going to come and establish a Jewish government and finally overthrow the Romans. But we know that Jesus came to serve. He was the deliverer they were looking for but for a life far beyond the earthly troubles they were going through. They're thinking politically. They're thinking right now while Jesus is thinking eternally. Some commentators even say that it went beyond unbelief. They probably were trying to catch him in what they thought was blasphemy. Hence is the reason why our scripture says they surrounded him. And the tone of the text is tell us plainly. Don't, don't beat around the bush, Jesus. Tell us exactly who you are. Don't give me a parable. Don't give me these, these, uh, a question back when I ask a question. Just tell us plainly, are you, are you the Christ or not? See, the truth is this. And this is where I want to take my sermon. There is a side of God that you will never know unless you're willing to follow Jesus outside the temple. I want to move on to my second thought. That is among his sheep. Jesus made a powerful statement to those in the temple, to those men who asked him. He says, you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. Among his sheep doesn't mean just to rub shoulders. Doesn't mean just every once in a while. Doesn't mean read the same books as they do or shop in the same places or drink the same coffee as they do. It means a lot more than that. Among means to be where they are at, to do what they do. The way this looks like for us will be to be at the services, be at revivals, be at fellowships, be at the outreaches, go to the conferences, go to all of these different places where his sheep are at. You know, many times we overcomplicate the will of God. We overcomplicate our walk with Jesus. You know, every successful conversion, every successful redemption and ministry started in the same place. A place of mere and simple surrender and obedience. Pastor Wayman Mitchell very famously said, you'll never know the will of God until you surrender to it. What this means is that somewhere we obey in all that we can and then we allow God to help us with the rest. That there is a level of surrender that we know is not perfection, but that we say, God, here is everything that I have. God, I know you can help me with the rest. See, the mistake some people make is some what they do is because they struggle in a certain area. They dismiss being obedient in all areas. They have a struggle somewhere. It could be lust or it could be some type of mental health struggle or even just even a habitual struggle. It's hard to wake up or you're tired or or maybe it's laziness. Who knows? But somewhere you have that struggle. So now it's like, I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'm not going to serve God at all. But that's wrong. 
somewhere our, or what we do, our responsibility is to lay down everything we have and allow God to help us with the rest. There's an element to following Jesus that implies following those that are following him. It's called discipleship. Paul spoke to this dynamic in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He says in another translation, it says, follow me as I follow Christ. This is part of Christianity. That somewhere at times where we lose sight of things, at least we have an earthly, something physical, a pattern that we can follow. The problem we have is in churches, there's people, they have the knowledge of Christ, but it's just not true to them. They don't truly believe because their actions reflect something else. And the reason why is because they're just not among his sheep. They're not actively following Jesus. If you think, take a second and think about the moment you got saved, there was an element of you just being around people who were saved. You changed your friends. You, you begin to change the places you went and the things you listened to and, and just different atmosphere. It be, you begin to be among the sheep and that was beneficial for you. You know, scripture and theological truths become real to you when you have the opportunity to begin to express them in ministry. For some people, they have scripture, they have theological truths, but yet they don't have the power of God. See, Christianity's goal is not an intellectual prowess. That's not what we're looking for. It's not just knowing how to speak well. It's not just, you know what, I've read all these things and, and I'm smarter than the next person. But if we know well, if we read our Bible, it is about supernatural dominion. First Corinthians 4.20, Paul says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Christianity is a religion of power. See, Jesus' response if we can paraphrase it or say it in our words, was pretty much, you don't believe because you aren't among those who are following me. You don't believe because you don't come to church. You don't believe because you're not involved. You don't believe because you're not serving. See, when you are among his sheep, your faith is strengthened. This is why hell so desperately wants to isolate you. This is why one of the first things when people begin to struggle and the whole goal from hell is to cause you to backslide, the first thing he does is cause you to highlight in your mind the offenses of the church, the things they've said, all the different issues, and that begins to push you back from the sheep. And one of the first marks of somebody who's actually going to backslide is they stop coming to church. They stop being involved. They stop fellowshipping. They stop being among the brothers and the sisters. See, isolation creates vulnerability. Isolation creates a gullibility. And all of this is for demonic voices to gain influence. 
I've seen it over the years. Some people can never pass a certain time of faithfulness because when life gets hard, they isolate themselves from a sheep. They stop being among the people of God. I believe this is why Jesus very clearly tells them, listen, you guys are smart, but you don't believe. I've told you before, you've seen the miracles, but you're just, you're not among my disciples, so you don't believe. I want to close with my third point. I want to spend some time here. That is following his voice. You know, God is ever presently speaking to people. God today, right now, in 2023, is speaking to people. And I can tell you 100% of the time when we can't hear God many times is us. He's speaking to people. His voice will become, if you hear me out tonight, his voice will become even more prominent in your life as you obey to what you hear now. There's people here tonight, listen, you want, you're saying, I want to hear from God. And you're saying, I, want, I, I need clarity. I want to hear the voice of God, yet there is no obedience to what God has spoken to already. And the more you obey God to what's given to you now, the more you will hear him later. There will always be, hear me out, there will always be a will of God that is revealed and one that is hidden. That's forever. You can be in the ministry for many years and there's still future things that God wants you to do. Every year we, we have a conference in April in Killeen. We gather together and we want, you hear the phrase all the time, we want to hear from God. Why do we want to hear from God? Because there is a future sense of things. We, there, there will always be something in front of us that we need wisdom. We need heavenly insight. We won't get that unless we're obedient to what we have now. See, God wants to give you more. But he won't unless you are surrendered to what is revealed now. And this is the problem, the dilemma we have many times in church. Is we have people who want the revelation. They want the clarity. They want the voice. But they won't obey what's revealed now. They won't obey. They won't listen to the signs that we have now. There's a man, his name is Tommy Woodward. He was 28 years old. He was at an outdoor bar at Marina in Orange, Texas. He defied a sign warning of alligator, alligators and entered the bayou waters. Employees at the marina had put this sign in recent days after spotting a, what they call a pretty big alligator. The alligator was 11 feet long. I don't know if you think that's big, but that's the basketball height. The rim is 10 feet. So add another feet to that. So he goes over here and they tell, they, he sees the sign and a woman tell, warned him not to enter the water because of the risk. And the article says that when the woman said, listen, there's an alligator there, he looked at her and said, F the alligator. Then he jumped in. And, the, and immediately, the article says, immediately when he jumped in, the woman saw the alligator. And Woodward was attacked almost immediately. He died. Listen, the moral of the story is don't die ignoring the obvious, seeking the unknown things. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things 
belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. God says, I have hidden things on purpose. Your job is to be obedient to what I've allowed you to know. There's people, they're saying, God, speak to me. God says, I want to. You just got to obey to what I said already. See, our Christianity cannot only live in the temple. It can't only live in the information exchange. It can't only live in between the four walls. And brother, can you tell me a scripture? Can we share things? Can, can we know things? It has to be real to us. We have to obey it. C.T. Studd said this, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. So I want it to be real. There is a powerful revelation in intimacy that is built when we follow him. Yes, God wants to give you more. He wants to teach you more than what you know already. He wants to show you more. But it won't happen unless you're faithful and obedient to what you've given to now. See, the disciples received certain parables that others didn't. And Jesus many times said, you've heard this before, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This was a way for Jesus to call his people or his disciple to a careful heed. You know, there's a difference between having ears and having ears to hear. There's people here, you have ears, but you don't hear what I'm saying. The Spanish way to say it is it goes one through one ear and out the other. In other words, Jesus, that was a Jewish way. That was Jesus' way of saying, pay attention. Listen up, pay close attention. It literally meant stay close by and stay focused. He's telling, he's telling these parables and he tells his disciples, listen up. See, the term following Jesus has some practical implications for our life. Number one, Jesus left us a pattern to follow. We see that Jesus behaved a certain type of way. He spoke a certain way. He treated people a certain way and was committed to certain things. You know, Jesus, whenever he was, was lost by his parents and his parents find him, Jesus says, I am about my father's business. He was committed. He was devoted. There were certain places he went. There were certain ways that he spoke. That's a pattern that he's given us. And we will only know that or know it more if we follow him. Following Jesus means, also means, this is number two, not tolerating things that come against his devotion to God. Jesus, many times in, in the Gospels, he said no to certain things. Like I said, he told his, his parents, I am about my father's business. Disciples, they want to go into the city of Samaria when they're hungry. Jesus says, no, I have food that you do not know of. He chooses ministry. He says, I have to take care of business. That's a revelation to some people here today. He says, I have something to do. I have a responsibility. 
you can go get tacos if you want, but I, I got to come over here. See, to follow Jesus for the disciples, it meant to stay close by, to stay focused, and to stay aware. In a very distracted generation, that is the problem for many. They want the supernatural power. They want the revelation, yet they're not in proximity to God's people. Let me put it to you this way. It's literally this. You want to hear God's voice, but you're not close enough. You're saying, God, speak to me, but you're not even close to his sheep. You're not even in the crowd. You're not even at a place where you can even hear. And I know that's, that's, that's a very uh, simplistic example. You're saying, well, isn't God a spirit and he can speak further than... That's not, uh, that's not what I'm saying here tonight. The point that I'm making is this supernatural intimacy, this decision to say, I am going to obey and I'm going to follow God. What you've already given me, I know that's my responsibility. Again, read it, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belongs to the Lord our God. What does that mean? It's not yours. It's not mine. I'm not going to die dwelling trying to find the secret things, but I am going to obey. He says the things that are revealed belong to us. That belongs to you. What's revealed? The law. The Bible. Amen? You want to hear God's voice? Open the Bible. You want God to speak to you, open the Bible. This is, this is the revealed word of God. How would you feel? How would you, I mean, put yourself in God's shoes. You're asking for God to speak. He gave you 66 books you're ignoring. And somewhere say, God, speak to me. No, no, I, I don't want that. Let other people read it. I want you personally to come from heaven down and give me a sign. See, when you're close by, you can effectively call on God. A man of God is not somebody that shouts amen. A man of God is not somebody that knows the Bible. A man of God is somebody that can get a supernatural God involved in your physical life. Can you get God involved for your family? That's number one. You want ministry. You want, you want a pioneer. You want to get God involved in your family first. Let's see that happen. Let's see your finances blessed. Because when you go out on the field, you're going to want to see your church's finances blessed. Amen? Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me, and I will answer you. And will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God says, call to me. But you got to be close by. We have one job. You ever seen those memes, those videos? It's like that guy had one job. We have one job as human beings, and that is to follow Jesus. When we focus on following Jesus, everything in our life changes. Everything. When you truly follow Jesus, everywhere you go becomes a place where Jesus can touch people. Think about this. This whole setting of, of our text happened at a place called the Colonnade of Solomon or Solomon's Porch or Solomon's Portico. You know, the disciples turned that place into a Holy Ghost New Testament church. 
Acts chapter 3, verse 11, it says, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Acts 5.12, now many signs and wonders. Now it's not a place where we're debating, you know, what is, is heaven blue or is it red? What color is it? You know, what is there gold on the street? They're not debating anymore. Now many signs and wonders were regularly, say with me, regularly, regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. That is the power of those who simply say, I will follow Jesus. His disciples continued his ministry after his departures, after his departure. In other words, they continued to follow his voice, which proves his point. My sheep know my voice. They know what to do. It's probably one of the best ways to gauge your relationship with God. When somebody takes away the obligation, do you still follow him? When life gets hard, do you still follow him? He didn't say there was a ministry contract in place. He didn't say, you know what, this was religion. He didn't say, well, we're at Solomon's portico, so this is what we do. No, he said, no, my sheep know my voice. They know me when I call. That's what he means. When I call, they come. When I say go, they go. If you were to do that, you would know. This is what he's implying, right? If you were to do that, you would know the answer to the question. Are you Christ? This is where we get the thought of becoming the light in the darkness. The very same temple where people didn't know who Jesus was became a central area to supernatural signs and wonders. I have a very simple challenge for you tonight. And that is that you will follow Jesus with all of your heart. Again, this isn't this, this emotional moment where you're like, okay, God, I'm going to follow you now. No, I'm talking about a practical implication. Be at church. Be at the outreaches. Fellowship. Have fellowships. Revivals. Sunday schools. What time does Sunday school start? Yeah, thanks, Gustavo. 9.45, BS Sunday School. Amen? Oh, my gosh. Focus. Listen, focus on following Jesus. That's, that's the problem, right? Many times we, we want to hear the voice of God, but we're not okay with those things. Watch your mind and your heart transform. As you, be, as you make those things convictions, make those things, you know what? I will not miss church. I don't, care if, I don't care what happens. I want to be in the house of God. I remember as a young disciple t um, praying and telling God, I saw it in other people, so I was like, I need to do that too. When the doors are open, I will be there. And I made that commitment to God, and I realized the doors are open more than just Wednesdays and Sundays. Morning prayers, Tuesday night practices and song service. I mean, it became, we, we used to hang out. And it was just this place I just wanted to be among his sheep. It was among his sheep where I learned to be a better husband, to be a better father. There was, it wasn't that Jesus came down and gave me a schematic of this is how you do things. No, I saw other men do it. 
I saw other sheep do it, and the closer I got to God's people, the closer I got to God. That's the pattern. That's what he's telling them. He says, listen, I will tell you. I wonder if there was more dialogue, right? You always wish that you were there. I wonder after he says, I told you. I already gave you that answer. I wonder if he said, if I was to tell you again, you still wouldn't get it. Because you don't follow me. You don't see it. It's not just information. I can say yes. I can, I can, I can, I can show you where, but you just don't get it. I can pull out the scroll of Isaiah and tell you Isaiah 53 is me. That's me. But you wouldn't get it. These people get it. Because they follow me and they see. The title of my sermon is called Temple Dwellers. And that was a phrase to describe people who their Christianity only lives in the temple. Following Jesus is going to cause you to follow him outside of these walls right here. You're supposed to be a Christian when you go home. You're supposed to be a Christian when you're at work. You're supposed to be a Christian everywhere you go. Again, we have one job, and that is to follow Jesus. Some people here, you got to re- Dedicate. Say, God, I haven't been following you. There's people here tonight, I don't doubt it, you're confused, you're perplexed, you have no clue. And you have no clue how you got there. Well, let me help you. You're not following Jesus. You forgot the, the importance of coming to church. You forgot the importance, even in your finances, right? You forgot the importance of tithing and giving. You forgot the importance of fellowship and all of these important things and you begin to dismiss those things and now you're confused in life. You have no clue. You're double-minded. You're confused about being in church and all these different... Listen, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and you'll hear the voice of God. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? The men in our text tend, the ones that surrounded Jesus, what they were to do, what they most of the time, what they did was they only talked while they were Solomon's portico. All the other times, they were just whatever. But when they were there, they wanted to talk all those things. And this is what Jesus says. He says, listen, those people, they follow me. You get close to them and you'll see and you'll understand the things that I've already told you. This is what's so powerful about, about an altar call is we hear the same thing. God already told us. But it's another opportunity for us to answer and act on it. You're here tonight. You're not saved. You're not right. Well, God, if you're to die at this moment, heaven will not be your home. You want to change that? You want to surrender to it? You want to say, you know what? I don't want to continue to live my life away from God, just a superficial, fake Christianity. Tonight, that's who you want to change that. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from him. Maybe God spoke to you tonight. Maybe God's voice came in this sermon and spoke to you and let you know, you know, you're not right. You're asking me, and I hear you, but you're just not close by. 
the grace of God here tonight is pulling you in. That's you tonight. You're back tonight. You want to reconcile your relationship with God. Raise your hand tonight. I want to pray for you. See that hand in honest hearts. Anybody else? God's dealing with you. Don't ignore God. Don't ignore God. Children raising their hand. Anybody else? Adults here tonight. Maybe God's dealing with you. Amen. Very well. Very well. I want to change the order of the service here tonight. But before that, if you raise your hand, would you look up at me? Did you mean that? I believe you did. Why don't you come forward? Come forward. We need two altar workers. Tonight, hallelujah. I want to speak to the church tonight as these precious souls begin to labor in prayer. I want to speak to the church. Church, listen tonight. If we're not careful, we can become people that just want information. Just want another good sermon. We want just another good book. We want we want to become like these people, right? They will gather together and just go back and forth on intellectual discourse and then go home very prideful. Man, I told him, I, I showed him, I showed, you know, and it's like, that's, that's not what we should be. And who knows why they asked. Maybe they wanted to one-up on somebody else or maybe they were trying to catch them in some type of blasphemy. But we know that somewhere they didn't believe. The Bible, Jesus says, you don't believe. And the reason why you don't believe is you're not among my sheep. Let's never become people who know but are not doing. What James says, become doers of the word of God. There's one thing we do, beloved, and that is to follow Jesus with all of our hearts. And I want to encourage you here today. Maybe you are on the sidelines. Somewhere you feel like somewhere you've stopped doing things for God. I want to call you and say, you know what? Get involved once again. Begin to follow. Be among the sheep. Begin to hear the voice of your father. Let's all stand up to our feet here tonight. I want to encourage you. Listen, these altars are open. So let's come and let's come talk to God as we sing out this song. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.